Hi and welcome to Authorise, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier. I'm the person who speaks to those writers. And with thanks to our podcast partners, CSCG, another terrific episode coming up. The most fascinating book, this one. It's called Australiana by Yumna Kassab. Details in a moment, but first a little reminder about our podcast partners, CSCG. Uh, they're an accounting and finance uh, strategy firm who will help you. Uh, where's the year gone? It's almost tax time. <laughs> you might be thinking about your entire financial picture and where it sits and where you sit in the middle of all that and what you'd like to do with it. Well, I've got some great people for you to talk to who will help uh, sort it all out for you and make the picture a hell of a lot clearer. Uh, CSCG, give them a call. They're as uh, close as, uh, as your telephone, double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website, have a look. The people you'll be dealing with, uh, the history of the company, they're Australian-owned, they're a terrific bunch of people, CSCG.com. Whether it's taxation or superannuation or financial planning, they can help you out. Double nine seven four eight triple three. That's their number, and we thank them for their great support of our podcast. Now, this is a most interesting book. It's called Australiana. It is a novel. It's a differently written novel. And you're about to meet the person who's written it, Yumna Kassab. This is uh, Yumna's second book. Her first was a book of short stories. And this one, as I said, is differently written. And we'll discover that uh, as we have a chat to her now about her brand new book, which is called Australiana. How long did this one take you to put together? Uh, I started when to Tamworth in May of 2018, and I think it was done and dusted by uh, October 2019. Um, yeah, and then it just took you know that you know six months to type it up. I write by hand, um, and then to edit and so on. So yeah, I'd say about a year and a half. You write by hand. Why? Well, I think that's where I actually started, um, you know, my sort of very serious writing period is probably about 20 years. And I did start um, at the very beginning, you know, writing by hand. And there was a brief period where I did type the story. But I think that the writing is a lot more polished and um, I don't need to cut so much. And there is this sort of um, uh, article that I read a little while ago and what it was saying is that between, say, the 80s and the 90s, um, as people moved to, you know, word processes, um, that all the novels suddenly became quite massive. Um, and I think sometimes, yeah, in terms of the books that I'm reading, um, yeah, I think it is, it's a bit obvious, I think, if a book has been typed, sometimes the things get away. I think that handwriting is a slower process and it allows you to choose the words a lot better. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Max Walker, who the late Max Walker, the creator, always hand wrote all his books because he he felt it gave him that personal touch. He had that personal kind of touch with the words. Yeah, it's I think very humbling to actually have a pen in your hand and yeah. actually write it out. And I think also I tend to carry a notebook with me, and it allows me to go back over my words a lot more than if it was a computer. Um, and I much prefer to also read. You know, on paper, I don't really like to read anything on on a computer. No, I'm with you on that 100%. To have the actual book in your hand and to feel it and to touch it and to read it and to put your your bookmark in it, or to some people who you know cauliflower the page the, the page that they're on. That that's that's something that's something special about the relationship between you and a book. Yeah, I think, um, and also the research does actually show um, that you do remember in a very different way when you're physically holding a book and you know obviously technology is great but I don't think that 
um, migrating uh, a book or a textbook or even a learning environment online is the equivalent to being in person or to holding that that book in your hand. Yeah. Well, let's talk specifically about uh, the subject matter of this book. Uh, and I guess the subject matter of this book is the identity of Australia and Australian town. Is is that where this lies? Uh, I think it's a number of things. I think that, um, you know, when I'm writing a story, the relationship to the story is very different to when all the stories are compiled together and I'm reading both of them. And I did sort of have that experience also with um, my first book that occasionally I'd go back over the house of Yusuf to pick out a story to actually read um, in a place. And I'd noticed that, yeah, when you put all those stories together, they begin to have a particular maybe message or a particular momentum and weight. Um, but I think for me that the, you know, Australiana is about uh, a sort of regional community, a rural community at the time of, um, of drought and also how um, water, which is very topical considering this sort of torrential rain we're having across the state, um, how the water sort of impacts um, the community or the lack thereof. Well, we're, we're dictated, uh, you know, whether it's drought or whether it's floods, we're dictated by what the what Mother Nature throws up to us and how we how we adapt to that, I guess, aren't we? Yes, and I, I think, you know, Australiana on the front, it says, you know, it's a novel. Uh, I personally see it as, an ecosystem and in science, the way we um, learn about ecosystems is that it's an area um, or a particular sort of setting and you take into account the interplay between living and non-living things. And I suppose in Australiana, the living things, are obviously the humans, but the animals, also the vegetation. And then the non-living include things such as the water, uh, the temperature, the sort of um, environmental events that are actually taking place. And so for that reason, I tend to think of Australiana as an ecosystem set in a sort of country area. Is it a, was it a, 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 an ambitious project to try and, and get all those little ecosystems into that bigger ecosystem, if you know what I mean? Not really. Um, I think that, you know, when I sort of, when I moved to Tamworth, I think the landscape in and around the town is, uh, quite beautiful. It's quite dramatic in certain ways. And I did a lot of road trips and a lot of the stories were written when I was, you know, on various road trips, um, exploring the area. And there were also sort of lines that I was, you know, hearing that, you know, maybe someone said or, you know, I overheard and they were the basis of quite a few of the stories. So for example, Pilliga in the book, which I see as uh, a ghost story really did actually start with someone saying, you don't go into the Pilliga at night. And to me, that's a very dramatic sentence and it's a very vivid sentence. So a lot of the stories actually started that way. So it was a very, I found a very easy and freeing kind of process. Someone who picks this book up in a bookstore and, and starts to flick through it and sees that, you know, some of the stories go for a couple of pages, some go for one page. How do you uh, how do you explain that to them? What you are trying to achieve by by doing it that way? I think that the actual story itself dictates uh, the format takes, um, and generally, I find that you know once I have the sort of first line, um, I'm thinking about how to actually structure the story. I think structure is the one thing that cannot be changed about a story. Um, it is, you know, sort of the foundation. The way you're, if you're building a house, the foundation has to be correct. And if the foundation is not correct, you wait until you have the correct foundation. Um, and so I, you know, for example, you know, speed dating is four lines. Um, 
I think four lines is sufficient to tell that particular story. Um, yeah. If I feel the need to, you know, write multiple pages, I'll write, write multiple pages. But I think sometimes, you know, um, short and sweet is, is good. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a terrific way to write. I mean, you don't have to um, uh, turn something into you know ten thousand words that really could be told in ten. Yeah, and I do think that the origin of literature and you know storytelling is actually a very short form. But at the end of the day, um, you know, sometimes it does take um, six hundred, seven hundred pages to tell a story, and sometimes you know it will just require a few a few lines. So I think. That generally the story itself for me actually dictates the form that it will actually take. So, where did the stories come from? Where, where, where does your where did your imagination grab these stories? Um, I am not entirely sure. Um, I think I most writers uh, pay attention to their surroundings, um, and I, for example, I don't think that. I would have written these stories. Actually, there's no way I would have written these stories if I hadn't been in Tamworth. Yeah. And also in the same way, um, when I was in Tamworth, the, the world of the House of House of Yusuf, even though it's where I've grown up and it's very familiar to me, it's simply not in my mind. And now that I'm back in Sydney and you know there's other things on my mind, I, I can't go back to this Australiana world. So I sometimes think that uh, on a writing front when the whole thing is compiled you look at it and just think I'm not entirely sure how I pulled that off um yeah it's just part of the process I guess and you accept it as part of the mystery did you choose Tamworth or was that just uh, the fate uh no it was actually a choice I had been to the town previously um in a sort of previous job and I you know quite liked it but I thought as a teacher that one of the great things about being a teacher is that it is very flexible it's a very mobile kind of profession and it was at the back of my mind that at some point I'd really like to go and live outside of um outside of the city because I do think that in many ways that the narrative around cities or the things that are important to cities actually dominate the narrative about a country but you know 25 to 30 percent of Australians actually live in the countryside so or live outside of cities. So I just thought it was actually quite important to represent that, to also experience that as well. So a, a Sydney girl uh, in Tamworth, uh, now a now a Tamworth girl in Sydney or still a Sydney girl? Oh, 100% a Sydney girl. I, I think you have to go and live for 20, 30 years before you're, you know, officially a member of the community. Um, and, you know, it was a very interesting experience for me because um, – I think that any country, even though there's a sort of um, a particular image of a country within anything um, as broad as that, you know, there are sort of little bubbles or little, you know, societies. You know, I think, you know, Western Sydney is one. I think across Sydney there are many. A place like Tamworth is a sort of own ecosystem, I guess, and similarly right across um, the nation. So I think it's quite um, interesting to kind of experience the nuance within a country. Yeah. Uh, now, how does Captain Thunderbolt uh, work his way into this? Uh, Captain Thunderbolt is inescapable um, in in and around the New England area. I think it was the first weekend that I was there. So this is towards the end of May 2018. Um, I thought, okay, I'll head up to Armadale. I did not make it to Armadale. I stopped at Urala and just got completely waylaid by the story of Thunderbolt. And 
uh, I think it's McCrossan's Mill, um, the museum there has a sequence of paintings about his last day, which is the 25th of May, 1870. Um, yeah, and I thought that was very interesting. But he's also not just a sort of um, a historical or mythical almost character. He is someone where people locally have stories about their great-great-grandparents and encounters with Thunderbolt. And there are many references to him um, across the New England area. Uh, myth being uh, probably more than fact in, in, in most of those stories? Yeah, and I think this is the sort of heart of Australiana. Um, one of the things that is often on my mind is how a country actually represents itself um, and how it sort of uh, perceives itself. And I'll use the example of Ned Kelly. You know, Ned Kelly, historically, there is a man called Ned Kelly. He died at this time. He was born at this time. But then there are all these sort of stories written about him. And then at some point, there's this big mythology uh, around a person that completely eclipses the, the reality. And I think Thunderbolt is a similar sort of character. There are many characters like that within a country. What about that romance of a country town that, uh, you know, we we do, we sit in the city and talk about it a lot. Oh, it'd be great to live in the bush and, you know, we'd have all this and have all that. And then we never actually do it or when we do do it, it doesn't live up to what we, we think. So is reality and, and the kind of romance of the, the country two totally separate things you found? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of, um, there probably is a little bit of that. I'm not entirely sure I went um, seeking uh, whatever that romance is around, you know, living in a country area. Um, I I like to travel and, um, yeah, it was just sort of a a natural thing to do for that particular period of my life. But there is a very big difference between living in a city and living in a in a country town. And in some ways, it really reminded me of the sort of village my parents are from in Lebanon, um, you know, in terms of the interconnectedness of the community and also the sort of multiple generations of connection to a particular area, which is lost actually in the city. With your background, uh, did you learn stuff uh, writing this book and, and sort of living in this book yourself that uh, you discovered about Australia? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think that um, Western Sydney is a, you know, its own kind of world and I think also a place like Tamworth is also its own world. Um, yeah, and I assume that someone from Tamworth moving to a place you know, in and around Parramatta um, would have some interesting experiences. Yeah, but I think, you know, no matter where we go in life, that there's, there are there are lessons and things to be learned, you know, if we're paying attention. Uh, you've, have you started work on your, your next book or have uh, you sort of sitting back and, uh, and taking this one in and letting that, that process play out? I, I write almost continuously. I write a lot um, and, you know, it is the... Uh, the central thread, it's the passion. Um, and so when um, Ultimo Press took on Australiana, I did also send them uh, what will probably be my third project called The Lovers, which is probably a dark fairy tale. Um, and, you know, I've also moved on from that particular world. You know, I'm working on other projects in terms of typing them up. But, yeah, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, you know, The Lovers is the next project after Australiana. Somebody picks the book up in a in a bookshop or looks at it at a library and, and sees the cover and, and gets that you know a sunburned country kind of effect that you get to, from the cover of this book. Well, what would you tell them is inside it? What what are they going to get when they when they open the pages up, Yuna? 
Uh, I would. Uh, that's a very hard question. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that hopefully they'll see a particular um, take of um, you know a sort of country area. It, it, there is obviously a lot of imagination. Um, a lot of imagination there. Um, I've taken a lot of liberties, um, but hopefully it's a slightly different representation. Um, of, you know, country towns. I, I didn't want to write, you know, the rugged outback romance or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I do hope that it's a slightly different version and it's got um, layers in it and that whoever actually reads it finds something in there for them. They're very relatable Australian characters. Uh, you know, even though they appear for short periods of time, they're very relatable and, and uh, true identity Australian characters, aren't they? I think so, and I think that one of the sort of ideas that played on my mind a little bit is, um, you know, for a long time as I was writing the stories, the working title was My Face is Nameless, which is the second part of the book, because that, uh, because, you know, a lot of the conversation is dominated by the cities and a lot of the areas outside of the cities have an almost, um, you know, nameless quality to them. People don't, maybe are not exploring them. And there is a comment in the blind side about, um, you know, city people who think the Blue Mountains is the countryside. And mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes does play on people's mind. And I think there is something in there where that narrator of the blind side says, you know, people think that farmers stand around, you know, staring at clouds all day. And that is something that someone said to me from, from Sydney, um, yeah, so I think that uh, hopefully, um, yeah, it's a just slightly different perception um, of country areas. What's the reaction been to the book so far? You mentioned you're a teacher. Do your students get to look at the uh, at, at the book and do they pass comments to you? Yeah, they sometimes do. Um, I know my students in Tamworth, quite a few of them actually read um, The House of Yusuf and there was actually a point where one time I was in class and this student started reciting something uh-huh. and I was thinking, you know, that's, that's pretty familiar and I realised he was reciting the Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt poem, um, 25 May, 1870. Um, yeah, no, they sometimes um, they definitely do come across them, you know. Uh, I think the reception so far has been quite positive uh, and I do know someone quite close to me who has been to Tamworth quite a few times, thought, well, I've actually got to go back to this just to completely appreciate what's happening in this book. And there are quite a few little hidden references in there that hopefully when the people in Tamworth actually read it, they uh, it's for them. Beautiful. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on your book and to continued success for the future. Thank you so much and thank you for taking the time. My thanks to Yumna for her time and good luck with that uh, next book. And if you see this book, Australiana, on the shelves of your bookstore or your local library, grab it and have a read. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. A most fascinating and interesting book with a lot of very interesting characters in there. Uh, My thanks also to our podcast partners, that is uh, CSCG. If it's that time of the year, which it is, where you're looking at your financial uh, overview and uh, what you've got where and how and why and you're you're sort of scratching your head and wondering what to do, well, they're the people to talk to. They'll help straight 
straighten it all out for you. CSCG, 9974 8333. That's their telephone number. Jump on the website and have a look, cscg.com.au. Whether it's superannuation or whether it's financial planning, whether you're looking to borrow some money uh, to uh, invest, they'll help you out with it, cscg.com.au. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Authorised Podcast. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Read a book. It might be the one I'm talking about on our next podcast. Podcast.